0: It's called wave-fighting,
1: princess.
0: Drug I love your skirt, where'd you get it? Bit bit. 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 It will be a best kid in the world. How do I prove to the world that I'm here and that I'm a man, that I'm not a little kid anymore? And I'll only be on
1: one. In this lifetime, you don't have to
0: prove nothing to nobody except yourself. My deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond
1: measure. 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 You are now listening now to... Listening. Right Ways Radio, hosted by Journeymen, amplifying the voices of youth development and modern rites of passage. Hello and welcome to Right Ways Radio, hosted by Journeymen. I'm your co-host, Nikki Wilkes.
0: And I'm your co-host, Alex Craighead.
1: And tonight we have a very special guest uh, joining us also from Washington State here. We have Darcy Audi. Darcy is an independent consultant for rites of passage organizations around the country. She's also the former executive director at Rite of Passage Journeys, another local Washington Rites of Passage organization. And she helped to found uh, Youth Passageways, which is a global network of professionals and individuals working in this scope as well. Uh, Darcy, welcome, and thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Um, I'd like to get started, actually, just by having you give us some insight into how you got involved in rites of passage work and maybe your story on, um, how you got here today.
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, um, when I was 13 years old, I came across a brochure sitting on my mom's desk for something called a rite of passage journey. Um, and I don't know exactly what it was, but something about that, that program, that brochure called to me and I, looked it up. I called up the the number on the brochure, and it was a program out of Bothell um, run by a man named Stan Crow, and I um, managed to make it work financially to take part in it that following summer, and uh, a three-week program um, in the Cascade Mountains and then on the Olympic Coast, and it really set the course for me for the rest of my life. Um, it was a really transformative and impactful experience that I've uh, carried with me ever since, and has um, continuously motivated me to make such experiences available to all youth.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, and I just want to mention that um, you know you have a, a recent TED Talk that was just published recently, and uh, I got to relive this story through that TED Talk after hearing it from you in person, and I would. Just highly encourage any current listeners to go on YouTube, um, search for your name, Darciati, uh, TED Talk. And could you remind me of the title one more time?
2: Tying the threads of the past to the threads of the future.
1: Beautiful. Yes, thank you. Um, and so for the longer version of that, and um, I think for a lot of the content that we'll be discussing here um, on our segment, um, I would just direct some folks to go and check that out as well. I, I just feel like you did such a wonderful job. Um you know tying in your personal story with this work with also a a cultural call to action to bring this work to more people so uh, thank you once again and then uh, i'm going to hand it over here to alex who has a question that came up for us as we were watching that um that we hope is is something that you could speak to a little bit more in depth thank you nikki so darcy i'd like to hear your opinion on why do you
0: think um rites of passage hold the key to a healthy future for humanity
2: yeah, so we'll just start it out with the the small, simple questions I see. Um, so I think that's something that a lot of folks involved in rites of passage have been thinking about, you know, as we're going through this, you know, massive um, shift in in human consciousness and in human society and you know for all the species you know in this massive extinction time we're in and and what Joanna Macy refers to is the hopefully the great turning um time period I think for those of us involved in rites of passage we've really come to recognize that um, the work that we do the practices that we do for ourselves and offer to our communities um, and to those that we work with have a really important place as we navigate this larger cultural rite of passage. So there's a lot of folks who talk about how right now, um, and I I would say like Bill Plotkin to me is one that comes to mind, who really articulates this super well, you know, that we're in a very adolescent time as as a society. Um, where we're much more focused on our own individual needs and our own individual identities and um, haven't yet really taken on, you know, very focused on sensual pleasures, uh, what we want, instant gratification, much like um, uninitiated adolescence, that time of life that's very focused inwards um, and super fiery. And we're really called now culturally to take much more responsibility for the broader worlds. And for the mess that some aspects of our culture have gotten us into, particularly Western culture, has really driven us down some really dangerous roads. And for me, the, the things that we learn through the process of rites of passage, of bringing them back into our communities can really help to navigate us through that transition. And for me there's really as you know, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I was really thinking about it in relation to my TED talk. And for me, there's really when I say that, I'm not just talking about rites of passage in general um, as being an important key for humanity, but but really rites of passage through adolescence as that that pivotal point. So how we teach Children, what it is to step into that next life stage of adolescence, how to navigate their way through that betwixt and between time of adolescence and then fully step into adulthood. Um, For me, that's actually the really key transition point. Um, Not that others aren't important. They're very important. But one of the things that's so important about the transition from childhood through adolescence and into adulthood is That is really the critical life stage, first of all, where we have consciousness on either side, right? In birth, which is an important rite of passage, in death, which is an important rite of passage, we don't have consciousness in the way that we understand it on both sides of that. And so this transition into adolescence, like one of the biggest biological changes we'll go through in our lifetime Um, And we have consciousness on either side. And therefore, it really stands as our learning how to navigate all the transitions we'll go through in the future. And so for me, that's a a really important reason um, why rites of passage are so essential in this time is because it's the critical life stage. That adolescent journey is the critical life stage where we learn how to relinquish control. To know that change comes, change is inevitable, and how to ride it with some grace and um, and step into whatever it is on the other side, knowing that we have to let go before we can even begin to imagine what will come out on the, the, ne- the other side. Hmm. And another key thing for me is just... Um, you know, that adolescent transition period where we really step into our own identity and develop a, a sense of ourselves in relation to the wider community. You know, who am I and and who is the community around me? What is my culture? What is my society? What is my peer group? And it's such a critical time for developing a sense of belonging that's beyond, you know, just the, the individual family unit or even beyond the natural world and really taking Um, a step into the human community. And so for me in the world at this time, I see so many of the issues that we're facing and so much of the desire to like um, close down borders and keep people out and um, deal with these, you know, um, really intense pressures of globalization that I think naturally encourage folks to, you know, want to keep people out. Um, we all need to have a sense of where we come from and a feeling of belonging in that before we can act as this global society interconnected in the way that we are. So that's another reason why I feel like it's really essential.
1: Mm. Thank you. I I really resonate with the image you create of, um, you know, riding that wave of transition and um, I also really appreciate the way you speak to rites of passage as a process of cultivating tools to transition gracefully and feeling like that, you know, that obviously carries over into other other parts of our lives um, and allows us as individuals, as, you know, cultures, as as communities to be adaptable, you know, to change, which, you know, is, is part of our evolutionary process. Um, and then I also heard you speak to this, um, specific stage of adolescence, and it's one that Alex and I have, um, really gravitated towards in our work, feeling like, um, society as a whole, there are, there are many signs that, you know, the society that we participate in, um, has many, many tendencies to be stuck in that adolescent phase. And, you know, you mentioned Bill Plotkin, he writes about, um, you know, Western culture as a whole sort of being stuck in the stage of adolescence. And, um, it's, you know, it's clear that there is a lot of work to be done here in the, in the realm of rites of passage. Um, and then also, you know, on an individual level. And uh, again, I just want to name how much I appreciate the, the image of gracefully riding that wave of surfing that wave into a new state, um, as opposed to, you know, resisting or, or choosing to, you know, remain in it for, for longer than we ought to, um, I think uh, another topic that I that I want to call in from from your TED talk was um, you know something that stood out in terms of how we measure uh, how we measure the success or I guess the the outcomes of a of a rite of passage, and um, you know I got to per- I had the pleasure of participating in a workshop with you about a year ago. And um, I heard you name, you know, I heard you name this in a big way for me, which was, um, you know, it it has sat with me. And so I'd I'd be interested to hear you speak to uh, in your in your mind, in your experience, what are what's the most important measure um, in terms of outcome for a rite of passage?
2: For me, you know. The most important thing to remember when we talk about rites of passage are that we're we're talking about um, a a community um, transmitting, sharing, investing in their young people, um, their cultural values. And, um, and you know helping young people to, to claim their own, but it's about passing on traditions, it's about passing on values, it's about passing on the things that are important within the culture. And so for me, when we talk about how to measure the effectiveness of a rite of passage, I think it, it's totally based on the context. It's totally based on what the needs of the community are for young people going through that transition themselves. Um, there, there is like, you know, and I think that this is an interesting thing and it's something that we're going to really need to grapple with as a culture if we're able to take that step towards, you know, widespread rites of passage and them really being integrated into um, our culture in a big way, which I I would love to see. And I mean, that's what I've devoted my life to, to do. Um, but at their core, it's still about, you know, what does a community feel like is important? I think that there's some really... Incredible work that's come out of the National Rights of Passage Institute in Cleveland, Ohio, which has been working in um, Afrocentric rites of passage, um, rites of passage for African-American youth um, in Cleveland for, oh gosh, I don't even know, I mean, at least 30 years if not longer than that, several generations now um, have come up through their initiatory programs. And they did a great job putting together a very extensive, you know, evidence-based research, but really holding at the center of it community-determined, you know, self-determined measures of effectiveness. Um, And so for me, like, that's where I go back to is like, well, what does a community determine is important for their young people as they step into adulthood?
0: Thank you for that insight and what a beautiful vision thinking about the impact that this rites of passage can have on communities and the youth. Um, I'm curious to hear your input on, you know, currently it seems as though rites of passage are not widely available across all communities currently, and I'd love to hear some maybe strategies you could come up with for making rites of passage more available for some of the underserved youth and communities in our society
2: yeah so for me that question actually it's such an important one and it really ties in with the last question um and what i've really come to see about the uh, again the most effective the most impactful rites of passage is that that they come out of uh um communities taking responsibility for themselves and having empowerment and autonomy and the ability to um, mobilize resources towards folks from within the community, providing meaningful experiences for youth from that community. Um, So I think there are a lot of power in programs that bring together young people from all over. So, you know, rite of passage journeys is, you know, one that um, I did as a youth and there were, you know, folks from around the world that came to take part in that experience. And then, um, you know, over time there's been like, that's, I think a great program and it doesn't have some kind of core communities that it draws from, but, but it also gets really a range of young people and there's beauty in folks coming from all over. And I think at this time, you know, in, um, the society that we live in, those are really important measures. But they're also stopgap measures while communities develop the resources and expertise and knowledge um, and will to um, initiate young people in the way that's most going to serve the young people from that community. And so for me, when I think of this question of like, well, how do we make Rites of Passage available for for underserved youth? You know, it's really about how do we provide um, that framework, how do we provide resources and how do we really listen to the folks working in the trenches with young people in those communities about what's needed and help to help to give them the knowledge that they need, the resources that they need, remove the barriers so that they can do the good work with the young people in their communities.
1: Yes. And um, along with that, I think we're in agreement that diversity is enriching, just like an ecosystem that is healthier and stronger with diversity. Um, There is certainly an element of of health that comes with diversity in these programs. And um, it's, you know, it's our experience that not every community is super diverse. And um, I think one one of the ways that I feel like programs like Youth Passageways are really enriching this work is by bringing that diversity in, even Um, even to the extent that any individual community may not be diverse in race or gender or socioeconomic status, but that they can still benefit from the diversity of people doing this work all over the globe.
2: Right. And I think also I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I also think that by um, by exposing practitioners to that diversity, even for communities that are relatively homogenous, it also allows that opportunity for the folks then to go back to their community and like, what is our unique culture? You know, what is it that we really have the opportunity um, to um, make possible for young people here that is really needed for young people here that will allow them to go out and bring, you know, like for you guys, like growing up on Vashon Island, like what an incredible ecosystem, what an incredible social um, system for young people to grow up in with its own really 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 rich and unique culture, in this broader mosaic.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's another kind of there's been another lingering piece for me, and it's it's relevant to us here at Journeymen because we primarily focus on working with boys and those who identify as male, um, regardless of how their body shows up, and. Um, I, I came into your workshop last year feeling like pretty well-versed in, in literature, and I'd read a lot of the the kind of key pieces in my mind um, in Rites of Passage. And at one point I quoted Joseph Campbell, and your response was so graceful and, and just a reminder of um, perhaps the, the male-centric view of a lot of the literature out there, and especially in, in Campbell's work. And my question for you is like, what are we missing in, in Rites of Passage literature and in, in the in the study of this work, um, in terms of the female voice and perspective?
2: That's a really interesting question. And I sort of feel like that's, that's something that it's going to take us a while to sort of figure out collectively, you know, and I think there's also this question of, um, you know, uh, beyond the, the gender binary. So there's both the, you know, the female perspective or the feminine perspective, um, of, you know, what's going on during a rite of passage time. And then also the queer perspective or the, um, non-gender conforming perspective, I think. And I've really come to look at that in terms of, thanks to some really incredible work of some colleagues of mine, um, you know, that those are all unique archetypes, the masculine, the feminine, and then the queer as, as these archetypes that we're working with, with young people, you know, and I, I think we don't really know the, like, would be the answer to your question. And I feel like that's not like as much as I want to give you, but I think part of it is being, you know, in the conversation of like, wow, some of these models, like, they were, you know, developed at a time and within a framework where a lot of different perspectives were left out and a lot of assumptions were made about, you know, this this creation of this notion of a monomyth from certain models and certain stories that were very male centric. Right. And um, what they're missing. I mean, we could certainly speak to that notion of like the hero's journey and some incredible work that's been done to sort of look at the. Um, Feminine archetypal journeys, and that being much more of a descent as opposed to an outward exploration into the world. And I know in my own experience that has resonated true and deep inside of me. Of like, oh yeah, that that notion of descent does much more mirror my journey than the outward exploration, or part of it does, right? Because I have a masculine side of me and I have a feminine mm-hmm. side of me, and and so both of those stories can um, connect with me and. In, in, with different parts of myself. Um, but I think, I think the, the real beauty is actually in the question that you're asking and and the rich fodder that that has for all of us of like, wow, what, what are our gaps? What voices are missing? What perspectives are missing so that we're only seeing part of the the puzzle Mm -hmm. and how do we, um, Reach out, cultivate relationships, research, learn from one another, stop talking and listen so that we can hear some of those voices and see where those gaps are, knowing that they're always going to be there for a long, long time. They're going to be there to some extent.
0: Thank you for those suggestions. You know, I think it's so important for all of us to be mindful of seeking everybody's voice and really being willing to listen uh, when they do speak up. You know, when we've done our research here through rites of passage, a lot of societies, for their rites of passage to be successful, it seems as though their youth were a very central part of their communities. And I seem to be noticing a trend within Western society that that may no longer be the case. And I'm curious to hear uh, any ideas you may have on how we can begin to put youth at the center of our modern culture.
2: Um, yeah, so another sort of great book for folks to check out is, um, is relatively new. It came out about a year ago and it's, um, David Blumenkrantz's book, um, coming of age the right way. And, um, and David Blumenkrantz is, I would c- consider him one of the sort of leading scholarly practitioner voices Um, In Rites of Passage, he's been working in this terrain for over 40 years and with that book has really brought together the vast uh, reservoir of his knowledge. And he often talks about, um, I want to say it's a Nigerian tradition, um, but I actually want to look that up and confirm it, um, where the greeting that folks have when they come together is, and how are the children? like not how are you doing, not how's the weather, not, you know, any of those, but, and how are the children? So that as the sort of primary anchor point, when folks come together, they greet, um, with that awareness always of the children. Um, and so that's really stood for me in my own thinking of how do I, always, again, you know, whose voices are we not hearing? How do I keep this question of how will this impact young people in the future at the center of my consciousness and the center of my mind? Um, And I think that that's a really important question for communities to be grappling with. How are things going for our kids? You know, if we look at the measures of how our kids are doing, you know, um, rates of teenage suicide, you know rates of drug and alcohol abuse um, and the the issues that we have with psychotropic meds and like having the most medicated, you know, generation in the history (laughs) of the globe. Like those things indicate to me that our children are telling us that they're not doing all that well. Um, And so how are we really taking the time to measure that? I mean, I often think about as I listen to, whenever I listen to NPR and I hear the like, Dow Jones Industrial, you know, NASDAQ update, how many times a day we get reports on how the stock market is doing, and how few times a day, We get those statistical numeric measures of how things that really matter, I think, for the long term health of our culture are things, you know, like the, you know, how much um, carbon is in the atmosphere. And I think measures of how young people are doing would be that kind of how do we constantly be referring back to these things that tell us, you know, how our young people are doing um, in ways that are meaningful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't often um, recite memories from business school in this work, but I do remember one thing that feels relevant here. And it's the saying that what gets measured gets improved. And, um, you know, we we spend so much energy as a a Western culture and society in in measuring economic well-being. And um, the country of Bhutan has a a really fascinating measure. They have a a statistic they call gross national happiness. And it's something that, you know, they, they track very consistently. And Um, just as you've named, you know, the importance of just bringing it to center of consciousness, even in language, you know, Hey, how are the kids? Um, That feels like a really graceful reminder for me of just a way we can begin to integrate, not just the voices of the kids, but the consideration of the youth um, in our cultures as well, Um, bringing it to center and and making it part of our, part of our routine, part of our rituals as well.
2: Totally. And the other thing that I would say is just including young people in conversations about them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there's so many situations where it's group of adult groups of adults sitting around and talking about what young people need and no young people are present or you know young people are present but the adults don't really know how to hold them in that conversation and the young people don't really know how to or feel fully empowered to show up in that conversation so I think it's also about us learning together how do we actually dialogue intergenerationally in ways that, you know, feed, feed a conversation and feed a decision-making process in ways that really will serve.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the old, uh, you know, the old maybe Victorian era saying of, of children should be seen and not heard certainly needs to dissolve entirely for us to, you know, begin to listen fully and, and give a platform to the youth um, as we, as we wrap up here, uh, I just want to encourage our listeners one more time to go and check out your Ted talk, um, on YouTube is probably the best place to check it out. Um, tying the threads of our future to the threads of our past. Is that correct?
2: The threads of the past to the threads of the future. And that's a quote from Luis Rodriguez about, um, his, his definition of what rites of passage do. They tie the threads of the past mm. to the threads of the future.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And in addition, I want to encourage everyone to check out Youth Passageways um, and the work that they are doing, um, putting out a call to action to find out what's going on in your communities as well. If you feel a call to mentor or just to support this work, there are, you know, a wealth of of different organizations um, all across the country and all across the globe that are doing this work, as you named too, may not even call it rites of passage work, uh, but it is being done. And then... Encouraging everyone to check out your website, too, um, and that you are available for, you know, consultation and, and program design and for f- folks and organizations who want to begin this work, that you would be um, a great resource for them in, in their process as well. And one more big thank you to Darcy Adi. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Right Ways Radio hosted by Journeymen. Thanks again for joining us.
1: If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. And remember to leave us your feedback and please give us a rating. Find us online at www.journeymen.us.